Welcome to Guided Spirit Conversations with your host, Marla Goldberg. Marla is an energy healer, intuitive, teacher, speaker, and author. Join her as she answers questions, interviews interesting people, and gives you tips and advice on everyday living. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to Guided Spirit Conversations. I'm your host, Marla Goldberg. Today I have two very unique and special people for our guests today. With me, I have Christine Gay and Barry Kerr. This couple has not only been partners in life, but they're also partners in their practice, Choose Conscious Living. Individually and together, these two amazing healers have over 70 years of combined learning, living, and work as transformational catalysts, energy healers, and personal growth coaches. They are certainly the walk they talk as they practice what they preach. Both are graduates of Inner Focus School of Soul-Directed Healing, Certified Advanced Theta Healing Practitioners, Reiki Master Teachers, and in addition, they are both Hendricks Institute Living and Loving Certified Quantum Coaches. They offer individual healing sessions as well as individualized intensive healing retreats for both couples and individuals, which are held at their beautiful Inner Essence Center in Sedona, Arizona. In addition, Barry has been an astrologer for over 38 years, and he does readings in the the areas of natal or birth charts, transit charts, relationships, children, and relocation. So let's welcome Christine and Barry. Hi there. How are you today? Hi, Marla. Hi, Marla. Doing great. Good. I'm so excited that you're here. It's been a long time since I've seen you two. Yes. yes. So let's start with the, the astrology. How did you become involved in astrology, especially 38 years ago? It was not a, a mainline occupation. No, it wasn't. And, you know, it's a, my, I mean, my first introduction to astrology was that, you know, song in the age of Aquarius back in the 60s. You know, this is a dawning. And, <laughs> Uh, beyond that, I didn't know much about it than what most people knew in the newspaper columns and so forth. And but about the time I was in my late twenties, I had at that time by that time I had uh, kind of awoken spiritually. I'd had my awakening experience as a, as a younger man, um, but still a lot of confusion about the, the the order of reality around that because I I uh, no religious or or spiritual. Um, uh, programs were really sort of giving me what I what felt really satisfying in terms of making sense of things. So when I ran into astrology, it was serendipitously, I had a reading from somebody who insisted on reading me, and I was a skeptic. I still was very skeptical about this sort of thing. And But she blew me away. She was telling me things that she shouldn't have known. And, and so I had to look at it, and as I looked at it, I expected to be disappointed my scientific self expected to see, oh, this is a game, this is a trick, you know, this, is, this isn't real. But the more I looked into it, Marla, uh, the more it just became more and more valid and real. And my scientist in me began to see the validity of it, as well as the mystic in me starting to really engage with it. But isn't astrology partially science-based by the alignment? Well, it's, astro- it's astronomy based by mm-hmm. the alignment of the stars and the planets. Right, yeah. That's the beauty. That's what I find it to be such a beautiful uh, channel for wisdom and growth is that it's not just an abstract sort of uh, uh, core to it. Unlike a lot of other sort of psychic experiences where there's nothing tangible to connect to, maybe, maybe a tarot deck or something, astrology is, is based on the reality on the physical world that's there. You can't fudge it. You can't move the planets like like you can move numbers or letters in your name or something. It's just there. It's a given that you're born at a certain time and certain moments. And that's the science part of it um, that astronomy addresses. And then beyond that, astrologers look for the meaning that's behind the physical level. Just as in everything in reality, everything we look at on the physical level has a deeper dimension to it and a synchronicity of oneness that we can tap into and uh, and that's what astrology does for us. So how does it work? Does, I, I understand how it works, but for people who may not yeah. understand, how well, does it work? It's, a, 
it's an important question because it's so easy to kind of go, what, how, why would it make any sense? And, and of course, it's one of the first questions I ask. Um, so we, one of the things we, so most people can sort of get their minds around is the idea of the macrocosm reflecting the microcosm. And we see that in a number of ways in different sort of uh, uh, dimensions of our existence. Um, and, and quantum physics sort of backs this up now in a scientific sort of interpretation. So the idea is the planets, because they're so humongous in our frame of reference, they're there in the sky, they are the common sort of denominator of a large reference of, of what is happening in the physical dimension in our solar system. So when we embrace the idea that physics also now has demonstrated to be true, that everything is energy, everything is energy, our thoughts, our feelings, our physical bodies, you know, even a lot of things that our five senses don't even pick up on is energy. And so we're tapping into, through astrology, the particular dynamics of energy that's always changing. And in a particular point in time and space, there is a dynamic that runs through the solar system and through our own individual fields on the planet Earth that's unique. And the easiest way to see and start to tap into what that unique dynamic is, is to look at what's going on in the physical dimension at the largest level possible that we can measure. And that's where the planets are in the solar system at any given time and how they relate to each other. So how does this imply to how our lives are, are laid out or determined? And the second part of that question is, how does free will play into this? Right. So um, in, in the paradigm that I work from as an astrologer, that most modern Western astrologers, and Eastern definitely, um, work from is that we, we choose our lives. We, we are spirit, basically. Um, and we choose to come into physical form to have the experience of being human over a lifetime. Um, and the moment that we choose to be born into our body where, where our spirit basically becomes independent from our mother, and, you know, take our first breath independent of our mother, we're basically taking in at an intentional level the unique energy of that moment on the planet in that location. And that becomes an energy that is a determining factor in the patterns that we inherit in our own um, human fields, <laughs> our, our various bodies, physical, emotional, intellectual. And those patterns become the stuff, sort of the terrain of our life journey, so to speak, uh, that we travel over. And astrology can give us insights into what that terrain looks like right? at this are we, are we traveling over mountains? Are we going through wet weather? Are we uh, this and that? Now, within that, we have free will as to how to respond to those patterns that we've chosen to experience in this life. So, again, simplifying it, if, if the weather's going to be wet, if I turn on the weather and it, and it says, you know, there's going to be rain, well, that's sort of a given. I don't have any choice about that. What I have a choice about is whether to take an umbrella or go out and dance in the rain, you know. It depends on what kind of rain it's going to be, how I want to experience it. Right? That's a great <laughs> analogy. And if I'm not having a good time, I should not complain because I chose not to take an umbrella, right? So. There you go. Like the, the cold, wet, the cold rain of winter or fall here in the Midwest where yeah. I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it gives us, astrology gives us these insights into what the patterns are that we're dealing with in our life so that as they unfold, we can be more conscious of what it is, what our choices are in it. Okay. But uh, makes sense. So there's evolutionary astrology and there's regular astrology or mm -hmm. the general astrology that we're aware of. What's the difference between the two? Well, for most of time, people have used astrology to really address life from the more ego level. You know, so people would come to astrologers with questions like, you know, will I, will I get rich? Will I, you know, when will I meet, you know, the love of my life? How many children will I have? You know, those kind of things that are really sort of the more um, uh, 
human aspects of our existence that we that we of course are here to experience. They're not bad. That's what we're here to experience. But they're they're sort of coming from a more limited perception of what life really can be or is about from a spiritual soul point of view. Um, and evolutionary astrology really applies astrology to look for the insights into why we chose this lifetime. Why, why did I come in at a certain time? Why do I have this personality? So traditional astrology can, you know, have always, always been really good at sort of describing your personality and helping you understand how your, your emotions connect to your thoughts and so forth and how they'll show up as different planets and different signs. But as an evolutionary astrologer, I'm looking at that more as a strategy for a much larger um, purpose that your soul chooses to come in and have certain experiences that are going to address the, uh, the unfolding and evolving of your soul over many, many, many human experiences. So you come in with imbalances karmically and what we're able to see in the birth chart is what, what are the polarity imbalances that you're coming in karmically to address and create more balance on your soul consciousness. So in essence, let me see if I'm hearing this, if I'm able to put this in the right framework. When you do traditional, it's more about tell me about me. But when you're doing evolutionary, it is you're coming in for this reason. This is your purpose. These are your lessons. This is what you need to learn. This is what you, you know, how you can. And you give examples on, on things they can do to work on shifting their current experience. Yes. It, it's more addressed at uplifting your awareness, mindfulness from a larger perspective of the meaning of your life. So that um, uh, the, when, you, when you are looking at those more human levels of, of questions, you know, what kind of career should I have or what kind of relationship, you know, works or doesn't work for me, there, you know, you, you know, you can get the insights into how to have a more successful and happy life. But what, you're, what, what makes that work is measuring your decisions around what your soul intention is. Because if your soul is intending you to have a certain type of experience in life and you are choosing experiences that kind of get in the way of that, that kind of take you back to an old karmic pattern from the past, then you're not likely to feel fulfilled at some level. You're going to create pain and suffering for yourself as opposed to the fulfillment of growth and coming to soul awareness. So then in regards to evolutionary astrology, you utilize, I'm going to take it a step further and, and ask, do you use this in your healing sessions? Is this like a prelude to healing sessions that you have um, with Christine? Or do you, um, you know, or, or you use them to help figure out how to heal wounds they've brought in from past lives? The, the astrology can show up in the work we do in several ways a large number of my clients all they want to really do is the astrology they're not necessarily interested in doing the the, the healing work that can come out of it typically any reading i do with somebody i'm really getting down to both the soul conscious awareness and what the healing journey is because we all have some particular healing wounds that we experience and I, one of the joys of doing astrology is being able to have the affirmation over and over again to see how, how wonderfully elegant it is from a soul level of how we choose our lives, even the painful things that we experience early in life, how it fits into a pattern and a, a strategy to really help us. It's like when people say the universe is here to support us, you know, I get to see it in detail. So by the end of a reading, an astrology reading, there is there is healing awareness there. Some people choose to follow up on that with us and do the work that it's pointing to that can, can sort of become, start kind of augment the healing journey. Um, and some people don't. Um, but those who do, um, it becomes a really useful tool to start to frame uh, intellectually what the healing work is all about so that the mind can relax and cooperate with it 
because a lot of the problem, as you know, Marlon, work that you've learned and do is often it's our human brain that gets in the way of the process. Okay. So if we can use astrology to give people's minds uh, some sort of um, uh, framework <laughs> for what's happening on a more deeper intellectual level or in, uh, uh, energy level, then the mind can sort of relax. Mm-hmm. And allow to, to mm-hmm. have the, sh- the shift come in or right. allow the need to know that you need healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the other really beautiful things about the evolutionary astrology is for people to be able to see that they actually set up their familial, their family circumstances. And the part of us that's wounded actually shows up in the chart. You know, it's possible to identify how someone may have experienced their wounding as a child just by looking at the chart, which to me is really a beautiful affirmation that nothing is really happening to us in terms of we're being victimized by life, but rather, oh, if I could see it and understand my soul's perspective, I could see that this is actually here for my benefit so that I can enjoy life even more. So life can be more fulfilling and easeful and more full of love and blah, blah, blah. So it takes, it begins to take people out of that place of feeling like things were done to them as a child, right? And, and anger that they might have and being caught up in their past versus being able to see how that actually is benefiting them to move forward in their lives in a way that allows them to have deep forgiveness for the people around them, not necessarily that they want to continue to put themselves in a position where people might not be treating them well, but they get to see that there's something in it for them and it shifts it away from maybe blaming other people for what's happened to a place of taking more self-responsibility to do the healing so that they see themselves more in charge of their lives as a co-creator with who they are, both as as divine spirit and soul, having a human experience and be able to fully delight in life. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it, I mean, one of the delightful things that I get to experience as an astrologer is as I'm, as I'm starting to get into people's charts and really starting to bring forth the information that's there. Inevitably, you know, we start to see the patterns that are part of their life dynamic that they've chosen to experience. And typically, almost always, the, the early years version of those patterns are troublesome. They bring up conflict and uh, discord and you know, painful experiences in relationship and inside themselves and, you know, all sorts of things. And uh, it, 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 as I start to point out how those patterns are there to actually be what they've chosen to experience and then move that into what's, what's the opportunity there of learning about that pattern on a karmic level from the soul's point of view there's an opportunity to create more balance around the polarities that are involved in those patterns and then turn those troublesome patterns into actually sources of creativity and um, a more fulfilled version of wholeness in their life. That starts to turn around the whole relationship they have with the pain they've experienced, mm-hmm. um, as Christy was saying, and, and and starts to lift it out of self-judgment and judgment of others and, you know, those kind of interpretations and changes the story. Could you tell me, um, give me a success story that you've had, you know, somebody who you read their chart and their life after working with you turned around. Yeah. Well, one, one that's just coming to mind uh, spontaneously is a, a young woman who came to me um, who worked in a research department at a university and um, she was having all sorts of problematic conflicts with people she worked with, the bosses or fellow, and, and it just wasn't satisfying to her. Yet the work she was doing, she was chosen because she was really good at it. It came so easy to her, you know, to doing the scientific type of research. And 
Um, so she was making money. She had a job. She had a career, but it was just so unsatisfying. And she, you know, there's all these different, you know, uh, things that were falling short of feeling fulfilled. Well, in um, in her chart, what came forward was that her sole purpose in this lifetime was really the exact opposite of what her talents were in that area. Those talents came from past life skill and wisdom. So, of course, that was the easy part for her. And when she was, from the time she was young, she was being sort of nurtured to follow that because, hey, that's easy. You can make a lot of money. But then it turned into, like, pain. So when we found in her chart that really what she was really here to do was to was tap into a less scientific and more sort of soulful feeling level of life that wasn't so objective and sort of um, uh, material based. And also what was also in her chart was this life wasn't about having a career. Yeah, she could have one and you know, it wasn't mean she couldn't have one, but that's not where the balance needed to happen. The balance needed to happen in connecting on a personal level, on emotion, to learn emotional in, inside and with other people and to really kind of tap into that more familial part of being human that we associate with home and family and so forth. That's really here what she was really to do in order to balance out many lifetimes that she'd spent in the other direction that she was trying to repeat. See? And that's what we all do. We try to repeat what's familiar in early life. And then it takes us a while of bad feedback from life to get us going in another direction. So within a couple of years, I heard back from her. She had quit her job. She had met somebody and she was becoming a mother and she was happier than she'd ever been in her life. That's a great story. That's <laughs> truly a great story. So when you're reading for somebody, can you predict their future? What's coming down the pike for them? Sort of, but not the way people think about it. Um, I make a point of telling people I don't predict things for them, events or specific sort of things. Um, what astrology is really good at, and, and not that that hasn't been possible, astrologers historically have been able sometimes to predict very particular things. But I don't do that because I consider we live in an age in human collective evolution where we are actually learning how to be, have more free will. We are learning how to be less subject to the givens of our environment that allow people to predict things. We're, we're less predictable is what I'm saying. Now, what astrology is very good at predicting is the landscape that's in front of you at this point in your life. Like I said, you're looking at a, your birth chart is showing you a sort of a terrain that you're covering in terms of energetic experiences. And at any moment in life, astrology can show you what the local terrain is that you're in that's coming up, you know, in the near future. So, yes, I can do that pretty well and show you what, what kind of issues and themes are going to come up in, to your awareness. But within that, you have plenty of choices. And I, I prefer not to predict specifics because I don't want to limit people's free will. I don't want to tell you, oh, you're, you're going to be stuck with this or, or this is going to happen because that, that, that's not necessarily what needs to happen or wants to happen. So when somebody has a psychic reading <clears throat> or a tarot card reading, which I'm an advocate of, but something I learned a long time ago is that you, you take the reading, you listen to it, you acknowledge it, and you put it aside and not try to grasp it saying, when is it coming? When is it coming? Is it here? Yeah. Is it here? Because yeah. it's like grasping a water and you don't, you, you sort of stop the flow of whatever exactly. was predicted. In astrology, does it work the same way where if you would predict something in the future, if someone is like, well, when is it coming? When is it coming? It stops the flow of what's happening. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, Marla. That's what I don't, I don't want to be that kind of astrologer or that kind of psychic. It's, because um, I think it's important that people tune. What, what Chrissy and I really are most adept at in the bigger picture of what we do is really helping people by way of doing of, of clearing themselves from old uh, woundings that block their connection to their soul 
uh, intuition, we're really good at helping people also beyond the healing itself, how to tap into their own tuned in psychic ability about their own soul path. Okay. That's the best source always is your own, your own connection to your own soul. And I'll agree with that. <laughs> and there's, so yes, you can come to an astrologer like me to get insights into sort of what, what, what the basic uh, framework is that you're up against in your life. But within that, I always encourage people, but listen to your own soul, what's possible, you know, because even what I'm saying here to you about what's coming up can show up in so many different ways, depending on the consciousness you bring to those moments. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So how does this work with world events, with what's going on? Let's say now it's January. We've just started the new year, 2019. How does it work with what's, what might be happening in the next 12 months? We're, we're all going to die before 12 months. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> it's not true folks he's joking <laughs> we'll yeah, that's just a teasing sort of example of what some people do um, <laughs> um uh, so what's what's happening in the next 12 months planetary wise is that what you're asking well it, like because how does astrology predict what world events how what might on, be happening the in the next level yes yeah, yeah so, world level so beyond the individual sort of insights about an individual's path on a soul level, you know, we are one, right? We, on a soul level, all, all our souls are part of one soulness. And, and there's a collective energy that we are all creating together in making choices in. And some of it is very, uh, we have more control over than others. You know, some of the more collective issues that we're here dealing with karmically and in our collective level of our being um, are ones that we, we, we participate in. So what I believe about the state of the world and what's possible, even if I'm not out there doing anything, just holding the belief energetically is contributing to the collective outcome, okay? And when you add up all the millions of people on the planet who have hold certain attitudes and, you know, energy, emotional energies about what's going on, that, in my mind, all is feeding into the free will that we have collectively about what we're creating. So how does astrology work with all of this, though? So, again, there's there what can astrology can see is what are the energy dynamics that we are collectively in? that I as an individual am in that same energy as we all are collectively um, at some level in astrology. There's a collective pattern we're all experiencing. So for example, um, over those last um, uh, eight years or so, there's been a certain aspect involving Uranus and Pluto that we call a square, 90 degrees to each other. And as they've been moving around the solar system, they've remained in this 90 degree angle to each other on or off, you know, sometimes a little off and other times closer. And because of the meaning of those planets, Pluto being about the powers, collective powers of institutions and, you know, all of the, uh, you know, like the state and the banks and the church and so forth, all of that. Um, because that's been in a certain sign, Capricorn, which is bringing um, sort of a, 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 a accountability to the collective experience of institutions, over at the other side of this angle is Uranus, which reflects in each of us our intuitive capacity to, to tune into our authentic truth from our soul's vantage, which both allows us to live life more authentically when we listen to it as individuals, but also um, gives us the information that we need to be free in society to be authentic. And so there's these two parts of our individual need for freedom and authenticity and truth kind of in this clashing uh, 90 degree angle we call a square with the institutions of the world. And you can see how it's played out over these last seven or eight years of sort of bringing transparency and accountability and the desire for authenticity (laughs) and freedom from the oppression, wanting to kind of bring truth 
to power, that sort of thing, and all of the turmoil that that's created. And you can see it out on the streets, right? Oh, yes. So that's just one. Every day. And that's just one part of what's been going on, not to mention all the other planets that have been play all this time also. Share about retrograde. I know people talk about Mercury's in retrograde, Jupiter's in retrograde. For those who are not aware of what that means and, and how it affects us, could you share, please? Yeah. Retrograde is, a from an astronomical scientific point of view, what it is is an illusion, basically, of a planet going backward in the sky. It's sort of like you're traveling down the road, and if, you, if listeners may have been in a car where you're not driving and you're sort of looking at a book or you're looking at your phone or something, and all of a sudden it feels like the car next to you is going backward because you're passing it, okay? But just for a moment, it feels like that car is traveling backwards. Well, it's not true. You're both moving forward. It's just you're passing it, so it feels like the other car is going back. That's what happens from our vantage point on Earth when we're looking at the planets. As Earth is sort of moving past the planet in terms of its parallel orbit, the other planet looks like it goes backward for a little bit and then it moves forward. That's called a retrograde. Okay. And I know different planets affect differently. Now, what's that mean astrologically? Um, so the meaning of that is uh, the, the common understanding, and there are different people will go in different directions with this in astrology, but the common thread is that, uh, for example, with Mercury, because Mercury has, a, has to do with travel and transportation and communication and ideas and tech, you know, the, all the communication ways we communicate, during retrograde, it's a time, um, the intention on a spiritual level, as a soul astrologer, astrologer would say, is that it's a time to pause and reflect on what kind of communication's been happening uh, and, and travel plans you may have so that you can sort of question it, you know, see if there's any corrections that need to happen before it moves forward. And then when the planet starts to move forward again, then things will fall into place better. Okay? So it's sort of these points. In, mercury retrogrades happen about three times a year. So there's these points of sort of self-correction is the intention of it. So when things go wrong, what appears to like something goes wrong with technology or communications, it's really sort of an invitation to kind of question, okay, what, what, what's, what, am, what am I creating here with, with my communications and my thoughts and so forth? Now, you do the same thing with Venus. Venus retrograde because Venus has to do with relationship and how we relate and our values and so forth. Then a Venus retrograde would be a time to reflect and question how are we going forth with relationship and what we're valuing, you know, making money and stuff, stuff like that. Interesting. Okay. I think that's a great explanation. Thank you. How does astrology work in relationship with another individual or a group of individuals? Oh, it's one of my favorite dimensions of astrology. Um, it's really powerful. We work a lot with couples, too, by the way. We, we do a lot of um, conscious relationship coaching with couples. And uh, we generally require each couple to get an astrology reading first. Mm-hmm. Because when, when um, people who set out to become partners to each other want to do it in a conscious way, it's really important they understand each other's soul intentions for those lives. You know, what are each of you here to really experience in your lives that are going to advance you, your, your soul's evolution? And even more profound than that is understanding each other's primary wounding experiences and how that affects your consciousness, how, the, how that sets up patterns of needing for healing and also makes you sensitive in certain ways to certain triggers. When a couple can understand each other's, what's behind each other's charts, at a depth to really be able to, to see that as a, sort of a given in who they are, starting with your own and seeing, wow, that really reflects me. Well, hers must really reflect her too, so I better take that seriously. <laughs> and, and then you can start to work more consciously with those patterns that overlap with each other. So a certain part of my personality triggers a certain part of Christie's personality and that's sort of built into the cake of each of our individual charts. But we can also look at a chart that actually reflects what's the energy dynamics of us as a couple. 
So you can do charts for that too. And that brings forward where those tender trigger points are and what's the meaning behind them, depending on what planets, what signs and houses and so forth, as well as it reflects all the um, easy peasy parts of your relationship that are in harmony and also points to what's the gift of relating to each other on the larger level. How do you help each other become more fulfilled? And you get into the karmic lessons that you two might have between each other through the, the chart? Yes. Yeah. You okay. can start to see how, how you affect each other's karmic intentions and, and then realize that you were probably drawn to each other for a reason. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that shows up as a short-term sort of learning lesson. You know, Christy and I have each had, you know, previous marriages, previous significant others in our lives. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, you come to a point where you realize there's, there's really been gifts in all of that. And if I wanted to, and I have done some of this, I can go back to previous astrology charts with my previous partners and see how that played out more objectively now. It's like, wow, that's what was going on. Oh, well, thank you. You know, namaste. <laughs> thank you for being my partner, even though it kind of sucked for a little while there at the end. Well, there's lessons <laughs> in everything, right? I there's mean, there's lessons. learning in every experience. Yeah. And, exactly. and the point is, do we learn the lesson or not? And if we learn the lesson, then the, the, the energy pattern that, that astrology is reflecting to us, that's there for your lifetime. The pattern doesn't go away. What, what changes is, do you learn your lessons? and live from a higher consciousness within it. Okay, so you have a pattern. And like you said, you, you can't change the pattern, but you change how you deal with the pattern. Mm-hmm. So if you were having a caustic relationship with someone and you see the pattern in the astrological chart, did you give them guidance on, on tips and techniques, let's say, on how they can shift the relationship to make it less caustic, less difficult? Yeah. Looking at the chart. Well, if it's about really lifting the relationship up, the primary question that we ask is are, are both partners conscious and willing enough to, to lift it to that next level of mindfulness in it? Okay. And yes, then we can start to train them how to do that, of how to reinterpret the, the built in dynamics that may be pro- troublesome and start to take responsibility for their responses to it instead of pointing the finger at each other. See, that's what creates the drama, is when you're pointing at each other instead of looking inside yourself, well, why did I attract this relationship? What's in it for me? And what's rather my contributing wait, factor? Yeah, mm-hmm. rather than wait till we you know, are yelling and screaming at each other and declaring divorce, you know, maybe I can ask the questions now of what it is I can learn within it. And if I have a partner who is a conscious partner with me, you can probably do it. So then how, how do you use this evolutionary astrology for personal growth? Well, uh, that's one way. Um, there's a number of, um, well, for example, um, there's a part of the chart that, in, that really kind of frames up what it is that an individual is here to learn karmically from a soul level and points to all the kind of experiences that would help in that way, either in a challenging way or a supportive way. So within, within that, so for example, let's say somebody, uh, somebody's here uh, in their, pardon? Somebody's here, um, uh, trying to grow themselves on a soul level. Yes. Oh, um, like, well, may I use your chart, Marla? Sure, of course. <laughs> and in, uh, just to be transparent here, um, for the listeners to know, even though, even though you and I studied together back in the Inner Focus School, um, we never did any, I can't recall, we did any direct work with each other. We had a very large class and I can't remember any sessions I ever did with you personally. 
Or, no, uh, there weren't. So you know, for some reason. Um, but so I just wanted people to appreciate that I, I, I haven't had that benefit of really working deeply with your stuff to, to know any of it, really, um, or you mean. So, um, so as I'm looking at your chart, I see what we call in astrology your north node is in Scorpio in the first house. And it, uh, I wish the listeners could see the chart because it would sometimes it makes more sense to see it visually. But I'll, so I won't burden the conversation with too much visual. But um, what that points up is a dynamic of trajectory for your your karma karma from this lifetime. It it shows us that the lifetimes that you are most connected to karmically from this lifetime, the the, the group of lives that share a theme that you're addressing in terms of polarity balance in this lifetime are lives in which you were very much invested in um, creating partnerships, creating very um, 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 partnerships like marriage or other types of close one-on-one partnerships. That was, that was the energy you were learning to build in your humanness. Um, And there was also the quality around those that you were also uh, learning about in your humanness uh, of creating stability, creating sort of an anchored in your body uh, connection to the material world uh, that could have showed up in various lives as being very materialistic or concerned about money or um, uh, wanting um, to create more comfort and abundance and you know, pleasures that come with wealth and things like that. Or, uh, um, but uh, having strong values of of that that build basically the energy of steadfastness, loyalty, and stability, kind of, which is one of the things we have to learn as humanists to survive. Okay, if we don't learn to do that, we're not going to survive in the material world. Okay. Right. And in those lives, you were really kind of improving your soul wisdom around that part of being human. Well, when you get out of balance in the polarities, things start to not show up well because you're out of balance. And in those lives, you got a little too far off on the materialistic end, a little too much on the attached to uh, stability and attached to relationship, primary relationships as as the way to be human and start to lose touch with the other end of the polarities, which is what you're here doing in this lifetime. So for you, Marla, the, the, uh, the, the goal in this lifetime is for you to have more and more experiences that really force you in some ways and eventually invite you <laughs> in a good way to embrace change as part of your human experience to get comfortable with change as the way is a good way to be. Okay. That's like change isn't the enemy. Change is like a good thing. And, and often that's in levels of emotional psychological experiences where, you know, things are very fluid and changing very fast, you know, (laughs) Um, as opposed to the material level where things can appear to be very solid and stable. Okay. So yes. for you, even so, you came in with a tendency to want to create stability around the material plane, but life, in various ways, forced you to give more and more attention to the whole psychological, emotional level that creates change or forces change and transformation, and and start to become more tuned in to the reality that everything changes all the time. There is no stability that even what appears to be stable is not. The only thing that doesn't change is who we are as spirit, as love, as light, as beauty. That doesn't change. You know, who you are as a soul doesn't change even though it evolves. So the other dimension of what you're here to learn beyond all that is to become stronger in yourself, to be less reliant on those one-on-one relationships like we associate with marriage and love and so forth as sort of the the center of all that you are and to grow the capacity to really be in yourself, to learn to be more, um, have your own identity stronger, to assert yourself more and to make life more about, Hey, this is me being in the world, um, doing my thing. 
And I don't necessarily always have to have somebody there that I'm, you know, connected to, to make it fulfilling. That, how's that sound? That's, that's very interesting. And I think in my younger years, you were totally correct mm-hmm. with, with the desires and the needs and everything. And I think in the current life, I am much more, and I don't know why, when you were talking, I kept hearing Helen Redding singing, um, I am, I am woman. <laughs> I am woman. Yes, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. That's so, what came into my head. So. Now I'm gonna, I want to share one more aspect about this to complete this because this is this is the exciting part about how I do astrology. Is there's another figure in a chart called Chiron. It's an asteroid, and what it points to is your primary wounding in this lifetime, and and how what how it sets up your healing journey. Well, your Chiron is in Aquarius in the third house. And what that means astrologically is your primary wounding early in life had, however it showed up in the people, the situation, whatever, the, there's sort of these two layers of impact that you would have experienced in your early years affecting your sense of belonging. Like in the early years, a sense of I don't belong, I'm different, somehow I'm an outsider. Uh, something like that. And it would have shown up most keenly in the wear of your sense of um, either your sense of intelligence, like either I'm not bright enough or I'm too bright for people or both. (laughs) Um, Or somehow the way I communicate just is is off. I can't quite communicate and connect with people or my thinking is strange to people or something. Did any of that feel familiar? Absolutely. Especially the not belonging. I always felt very, very different. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember a conversation with a friend of mine at school who said, when we were pretty young, we were just in junior high school, he was saying, you're such an eccentric. And, <laughs> you know, to be 13, yeah. 14 years old and being called an eccentric is pretty unusual. Yeah. Literally, the definition of eccentric is outside the center. It's outside. You're an outsider, you know? Yeah. And so the, the purpose of that, and, and this is where it really starts to get really um, deep on a soul level. Why would you choose that wounding in this lifetime? Well, given what I painted to you in terms of your karmic trajectory from past life, there was a way that that wound got in the way of you easily repeating the past life strength of just turning to relationship and trying to keep things stable. Okay. And material. See that wound sort of sort of got in the way of that. And all of the experiences you had connected to that wounding energy were really there just to bring to your awareness that the old way wasn't going to work anymore. It's out of balance. You need to move in a different direction and grow your awareness and uh, consciousness in another way that takes you toward more um, group energy and more individualized energy and um, and not rely upon uh, the old strengths as your own only strategy. It, it Think about what I said about your wounding, Marla. Look what you're doing right now. You are hosting a media... <laughs> you know as an individual it's a strong individual on your own right i am that i'm doing and that's just the epitome of like this healing culmination of healing of you're actually in your healed energy when you as you do this and i feel more healed i mean when we met back in 2003 i think it was i think when we first started um yeah, I was an entirely different individual than I am today. Yeah. And and the growth, then I have to say, I'm a huge advocate for personal growth. Go do it. Don't be afraid because it really opens you up like a blossom. It, it always pays know, off. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. And But I can see where those wounds were and I can see, you know, where they were, you know, how they affected me. Yeah. You know, and there was a period of not enough in my life as well. And you've taken that into, okay, 
Yeah, I'm eccentric. I want the world to know it. Here, now here, I get here. I am. I get to share that with people across <laughs> across the internet. And am I listening to a different drummer? Is okay for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it makes you stronger in yourself, which is part of what your soul wanted to do in this life. So, and then so if I'm you come back all those years, would it have been helpful, you know, 20 years ago to have a sense that it was normal for you to feel like relationships might be difficult or a feeling that you don't fit in and versus trying to fix that, having a sense of, mm-hmm. oh, my direction really isn't in that. To fit in. Yeah. And, and what have Go ahead. No, to answer, to answer, yes, it would have been. It would have yeah. been helpful to have the tools earlier. I mean, obviously, we have everything when we need it. You know, it comes to us when we're supposed to have it. But mm-hmm. would it have been a great tool to have 20 years prior to the time I, I actually started walking down the path? Absolutely. I think this is so invaluable for anybody. Yeah. I get that a lot at the end of readings is, I wish, I wish I'd had this reading 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> Right, but you, you get it when you're supposed to. I hate yeah, to use the word supposed to, to but yeah. when you're designed to have it, because that's when you're ready for the change. Yes, and I can see that. See, that's part of what the timing I can see in a chart is some people, their life design, it really is designed into the cake of their life that they're really not intended to have sort of a waking up until maybe their 50s. Whereas other people, it's much earlier in life. And there's a reason for it. It's not a right or wrong or better or worse or failing or succeeding. It's, there's, a, there's a timing in terms of the experience that, pe- that we're having in our individual journeys that are necessary for one thing to follow, flow into the next. So it takes away a lot of judgment from how we feel like we've failed in our life. That's so true. But how does that work? So, for example, if I wasn't supposed to, let's say, rise to the place I am today, become the person I am today until now, but yet I heard about it when I was 21. Mm-hmm. How does that work with the, well, I'm not going to count the years, but from then to this moment, you know, somebody, if you say to someone, well, I see that when you hit your 40s, 50s, 60s, 80s, you know, you're going to grow into this kind of an individual, but you have this process to go through now. Mm-hmm. Because I don't usually say it like that to people. Well, of course, I don't you wouldn't say it like I do. <laughs> because that would also limit people in terms of. Uh, because here, here's another thing that needs to be said about astrology. There's a pointing, I think, I believe, in our uh, consciousness as individuals, where, in some ways, we can Gary, start. I need you to repeat that, please. Okay. There's, there's a. A point possible, I think, in our in our uh, evolvement as individual souls, where I think we can start to tap into what Pluto really is here reflecting in us that we are creators. Ultimately, we are the we are the creator among the creator, <laughs> and and more and more we tap into that, the more really we're sort of able to. Um, in some ways, transcend the patterns that astrology is reflecting to us. So when I say these are the patterns for you for life, there's also a part of us, I think, from a soul level that's able to um, begin to live outside of that, to, to, to sort of speed up the process in some ways. Um, and it, when I say this, I'm, what's coming through right now is to point out that Part of what is reflected historically with astrology is as we've discovered the outer planets that humans didn't even know existed until the last couple hundred years, each of those outer planets has reflected an advancement in our collective consciousness, in the involvement of our uh, unfolding as a, as a human species. And you can see that when you study the history as it, as it pertains to the planets. Well, now astronomers are discovering all sorts of things outside of our solar system. You know, you just pay attention to the news a little bit. You get that we're seeing other galaxies. We're actually seeing planets and other solar systems. And so the question is, what does, it, what does that reflect about our capacity as humans, um, as souls having human experiences, to be able to start to bring in consciousness from beyond our solar system? 
which would mean from beyond the limited view that astrology charts are really looking at. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. It's interesting. So how does that, you know, in recent months, there's been a report that there's a 13th planet or house. How does that incorporate into what you know today? It, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> in the same way that it doesn't matter that Pluto's been declared a non-planet, <laughs> it's still there and it's related. Um, the, the, the 13th sign, is that what you were pointing to? The Correct. 13th? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difference in a difference between Eastern astrology and Western astrology. Um, Western astrology is really not based on the constellations. So when we talk about Taurus and Leo and, you know, Capricorn and stuff, we're not really talking about the real constellations that are there in the sky. We're talking about energies that we experience that were 2000 years ago reflected by those constellations because that's where they were. We're not in the same place, but we retain the words of those constellations as, as, as layers of uh, symbols of the energies. There's still only 12 primary energies in astrology. Okay. And they're based on where the earth is as it travels around the sun. Got it. Okay. I, so I understand it better now. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I just have to tell you, it's charity shout out time. Oh. So, I know time has gone by so quickly. Your your charity is Smile Train. Share with yes. everybody what yeah. Smile Train is about. Well, Smile Train is a is an organization, a nonprofit that was I don't even know when it started. It's been around for quite a long time, and initially it was volunteer surgeons that were going into third world uh, countries and nurses and doing free you know, cleft palate uh, surgeries for children. Um, that are affected by cleft um, deformities. And at this point, they go into countries, and not only are they doing surgeries, but they're teaching the surgeons and staff in the other countries how to do this in their own communities. And for children especially, I mean, anywhere, but but for children in a third-world country that have a a defect like a, a cleft palate, which typically is um, part of their um, upper lip is missing or it may even be, you know, the upper part of the soft palate or gum that's missing. And because it's a deformity, they are often ostracized from their community, including their parents, as if somehow it's an evil Mm -hmm. um, spirit or something. It's repulsive to look at for people. Right. So these children are pushed to the side. So, the thing I love about it is that um, individuals are going in, it's all volunteer, and it's all done for free. And we, the individuals that are supporting this, this um, Smile Train organization, are the ones that are making it possible for these children. And it's, it feels very one-on-one to me. When I make a donation, I know that there is a particular child that's benefiting in his entire or her entire life is changed because of that. So it feels like I'm able to actually make a real person-to-person contribution that's different than just... That's going to affect their whole life, transforms their whole life. And and their family Mm -hmm. and potentially their community. So um, I just love what they're doing and and the donations 100% are going into making this happen. That's wonderful. You don't often hear about not-for-profits being 100% going into, you know, the actual charity itself or what the charity is for. So for all you out there, if you're interested in learning more about Smile Train or getting involved or donating, you can go to smiletrain.org and you can get the information that you need um, from their website. So make a child smile again, make the family happy. Yes. And, and help Thank a child you. to be able to assimilate into the regular crowd and not stand out because of a deformity they had no participation in developing. Yeah. So it's changing the world one smile at a time. <laughs> it is. And it's so true. It's so it's such a great 
great organization. So we've got a little bit of time left. I'd love to talk about your retreats. So Christy, mm-hmm. would you share about, you know, the, the t- retreats you and Barry put on and what they're about, how, what you try to, to do with yeah. your individual or, or relationship clients? Yeah. So our retreats are, um, are one of the sacred offerings that we felt guided to uh, provide for others. And they're individualized, they're highly transformative. They happen on a soul level. So when someone comes to us to do a retreat, we're working, we don't plan it in advance. It's com- it completely comes forward moment to moment as we're with someone for three to five days. Um, someone will come and stay with us. It typically will start with an astrology reading the first night that we're with them, just as the setup. And then the rest of the time is very deep, um, one-on-one guided um, sessions or mindful uh, consciousness-raising conversations that might happen with an individual. And because they're with us in that transformational, uh, guided, their souls are present, our souls are present, their guides are present, our guides are present. And it's just them, one person. And it's just one person, and we're with them continuously the whole time in presence, um, allowing for their deepest transformation to come forward, that which their soul and that they're most yearning for and what their deepest desire is for themselves to come forward into their lives. Mm-hmm. Sounds like what a great is, experience. And then we work with It's couples. awesome. What inspired this, Marla, was as, as we were starting to merge our work, we, we began to realize that when clients would come maybe even as much as once a week to do a 90-minute session or something, even if we went to a deep sort of deep energy piece that's very intuitive, the, you know, there something would get started, but then they'd go back to their lives and get lost in their their day to day consciousness, and then it's like starting over again the next time, um, and a little incremental sort of movement forward over time. And we just started to wish we could kind of mm-hmm. take people, take somebody in for an extended time of days where we can just be right on the energy hour after hour after hour. We spend twelve hours a day with people when they come to stay with us time to get up to the time they get ready for bed and so we're there not only doing the deep awareness intuitive pieces that really take them to a deep consciousness of their soul and their inner children and their wounds and their healing where it becomes very real for them but we're also there eating lunch with them so something they just experienced in a previous hour of a aha like oh this is the way i this is this is how i want to think of it Okay, then an hour later, we're eating lunch and they fall back into an old pattern on that very topic. And we're there to remind them, is that how you want to think about this right now? Okay, And it's like, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that's how that's how we sustain a momentum over a period of days where it's really hard then to go back to where they were when they came in the door. That sounds amazing. It sounds like an amazing experience. And I was about to ask, and when you work with couples, because that's individual, do you work the same way where you, you know, divide and conquer, I'll ask? <laughs> you know, <laughs> separate the couple, you know, time together, time apart, where each one of you are working with the individual, and then you bring them back together in, in couple work, in couples work, or? Typically, when we're working with couples, we're doing individual work with them one-on-one, and we're working with them on a couple level. So when we do retreats, for example, with a couple that really wants to both do their own healing, but they also see relationship as part of their healing journey is each individual would do their own healing retreat. And then we bring them together as a couple. We have a couple coming to Sedona next year who are going to, they're going to bring an RV and take turns. They're each going to do their own retreat. Um, while they're here with us and then the follow-up to that of course then be maybe do a a piece where they're together and we're working with them uh, to integrate all that into their relationship how brilliant that's a great idea and one can get private to the other can explore Sedona 
and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, there's so much in Sedona. It's so beautiful. Yes, it is. Wow. We have so much more to talk about, but we've run out of time. I want to thank you both for being here. If you want to get in touch with Barry or Christy, you can reach them at chooseconsciousliving.com. So it's either Barry at chooseconsciousliving.com or Christine with a K, consciousliving.com. And um, reach out to them, ask them more about their their retreats. They're phenomenal healers. I've I've worked with them. I've studied with them. And I highly, I, you know, they're friends as well as guests. So please reach out. Marla, can we offer, can I put in here that we, we're open to 15-minute consultations with people free if they just want to feel our energy over the phone or, you know. Ask questions. Don't hesitate, don't hesitate to just, to, and, you know, we won't try to sell you anything. We'll just kind of let you know mm-hmm. what we're about. And I want to offer a $30 discount on an astrology reading uh, to anybody who mentions this interview. Um, uh, all they have to do is reach out to me, remind me of the interview, and they'll get $30 off a $150 reading. Perfect. So don't forget to mention Guided Spirit Conversations to Barry when you sign up for his astrological readings um, and you get your $30 discount. So thank you so much. I, it's so great to see you and, and yeah. talk to you again. Yeah. And um, I also want to send my thanks to my producer, Bradley Parsons, and my assistant, Teresa Scott Reed. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to share and participate in this interview with Barry and Christy. Um, If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me at guidedspiritconversations at gmail.com. If you like my podcast, please subscribe. That way you won't miss when one of them comes up. And I am sending you light, love, peace, and I look forward to our next time together. Blessings to you all. Take care now. Thank you for listening to Guided Spirit Conversations. If you'd like to learn more about Marla, please visit mghealer.com. If you have an idea or would like to be part of the show, feel free to send an email to guidedspiritconversations at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen.